The widespread availability of H. pylori testing now renders empiric therapy obsolete. These are the words of our guest today. Welcome to GI Insights on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Peter Buck. Joining us today is Dr. David Graham, who is Professor of Medicine and Gastroenterology at the Baylor College of Medicine. Dr. Graham is the lead author of Antimicrobial Susceptibility Testing for Helicobacter pylori is now widely available, When, How, and Why, published in the American Journal of Gastroenterology, April 2022. Welcome to the program, Dr. Graham. Thank you. Thank you. Let's begin with some background. Dr. Graham, have there been studies comparing susceptibility testing for gastric biopsies versus stool samples? Yes, yes. Well, we recently submitted, and actually it's in press now, in gastroenterology, a paper that showed that uh, taking a stool sample and sending it for a next-generation sequencing or taking a gastric uh, a biopsy and, and, and measuring the effectiveness of, of the same technique as next-generation sequencing gave you the same data. And so that suggests that the stool is going to be our future uh, for susceptibility testing for Helicobacter pylori. So our primary care colleagues should feel pretty confident that stools are going to be the way to go. Yes, sir. I think that is the answer now. It's a, a little bit more complicated because uh, there are two people, two groups that now do this. One is the Mayo Clinic and others will rapidly follow to do stool PCR and they'll give you results for uh, clarithromycin only, where the next generation sequencing will give you uh, results for all six antibiotics we commonly use. Great. And we're going to get to that question a little bit later. And can you compare the accuracy of direct gastric culture with formalin fixed gastric biopsies? That study's also been done and published in gastroenterology. And the answer was uh, yes, the results were very comparable between the two methods, suggesting that uh, culture or next-generation sequencing will give you approximately the same answer and makes it very easy to, to choose a therapy. And that should be a wonderful key for our gastroenterology colleagues out there who want to get some more information from those fixed gastric biopsies. So let's move on to this. You can discuss the importance of patient engagement in H. pylori therapy? Well, the patient's actually the key because the, the medicines and the, the therapies are somewhat complicated. And if the patients don't take them, uh, they, it won't work. And uh, particularly with drugs like uh, combinations like the bismuth quadruple therapy, which is go going to have side effects in a significant proportion of the patients, it's really important that they take those drugs. And and we find that compliance or adherence has been a problem, but it can be improved simply by telling the patient beforehand what the problems might be, giving them written information, giving them a, a number to call when they have problems, and they can get through this. And, and their willingness to finish the whole protocol is going to give you a lot better cure rates. And part of that thing is pill burden. We always talk about that with my medical students, uh, the pill burden uh, that's out there, which is significant. And also the, uh, the factor that if they only complete part of the uh, therapy, there's going to be resistance. 
Absolutely. And then resistance is, is, is our problem. It's an, an increasingly significant problem. Besides that, uh, resistance, as you know, is, is responsible now for antibiotic resistance. Bugs are resistant. Antibiotic resistant organisms are now responsible for increasing number of deaths uh, when patients are treated for other diseases. So, Dr. Graham, how will the future use of vonaprazam, a potassium-competitive acid blocker, change your proposed treatment algorithm? Well, vonaprazam has uh, some significant advantages. It really has no advantage over uh, PPIs for the traditional therapies. Where it has its big advantage is it allows one to get the pH up in the stomach and allows one to use amoxicillin dual therapy. The current approved therapy uh, didn't achieve that. Uh, it got relatively poor cure rates. And, and so the problem is, is not that the therapy is bad, but uh, it's not yet been optimized. Uh, so it's not a current therapy, even though it's approved, it's a future therapy. Thank you for, very much for that one. For those just tuning in, you're listening to GI Insights on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Peter Buck, and I'm speaking with Dr. David Graham about antimicrobial testing for Helicobacter pylori. So there are lots of audience members there wondering how they can obtain this testing for their patients. So what do you suggest? Well, it's not terribly difficult nowadays because you can expect that the laboratory, the major uh, laboratory, for example, Mayo Clinic or Quest, et cetera, that you normally use to send off your unusual specimens now does culture. Uh, so you could query that laboratory and ask them, uh, do they do culture and get, if they do, uh, get the details uh, and, and follow those details. The other way is to, to, to use American Molecular Laboratory, which does the next generation sequencing. And, and they do a stool or fresh biopsies or even formal and fixed biopsies with a, a good results for the six antibiotics and provide you same service. And the elephant in the room, of course, is do third-party payers cover susceptibility testing? The answer is generally yes. Uh, but uh, not always, and so, but they will soon, because all of the laboratories are now offering it, and uh, therefore, and patients and doctors are starting to demand it, and so they will be covering it. The advantage of the stool testing, and it's really only now currently available at two places, and that's American Molecular Laboratories and the Mayo Clinic. Mayo Clinic only offering it for clarithromycin, and that's offered as a as a uh, what's called a ref reflexive uh, uh, testing. So if you send your stool specimen and it's negative, they just do a stool antigen and the patient only gets charged for the stool antigen. But if it's positive, they reflexively send it over and do susceptibility testing. So now when you get back your initial diagnosis or your test of cure, you also get back susceptibility data if the patient failed therapy or was infected. Very important information for all of our audience members to understand. So before we conclude, are there any other thoughts you would like to share with our audience today? Well, I, this is, is really a, a major change in our thinking. And uh, we're going to find that uh, all the clarithromycin-containing therapies are obsolete. 
and our attempts to use multiple drugs like concomitant therapy, et cetera, were dis, dis failures. And, and with this susceptibility-based approach, uh, we will be able to, to cure almost everyone. Now, really, it's in two groups because we can still use either the, the bismuth quadruple therapy or the rifibutin uh, triple therapy as empiric therapy because currently resistance is very, very low and, and you don't gain much by susceptibility testing. But if you want to use clorithromycin or uh, metronidazole or uh, levofloxacin, uh, you need to have susceptibility testing. And that, the exception would be metronidazole as part of 14-day uh, bismuth quadruple therapy. 10-day therapy is less effective, uh, and you really need 14-day therapy if there's any evidence of metronidazole resistance, which is becoming increasingly prevalent in our population. This discussion represents a tectonic change in our approach to H. pylori. I want to thank my guest, Dr. David Graham, for this noteworthy podcast. Dr. Graham, it was a pleasure having you on the program. Thank you. For ReachMD, I'm Dr. Peter Buck. To access this and other episodes in this series, visit reachmd.com slash GI Insights, where you can be part of the knowledge. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.